This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Sweet Sweat, sweetsweat.com, for more information for all your needs, whether it's working out at home or supplements, you name it, they've got it. Great stuff. That's Sweet Sweat. Use it all the time. Absolutely love it. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Uh, you're lucky I'm here. I really thought about opting out of this podcast. You did. Think I about thought about op- opting out. But you decided to. Uh, you decided that uh, we were in a safe enough environment. Um Six feet apart with a little crabby piece of plexiglass between us. By the way, we got this whole note about this plexiglass that was going to separate us in studios and how technical. This is like literally a $2 piece of plexiglass that hangs between us from some twine off the off the freaking the drop ceiling here. I mean, it, this is not high tech. Plus, there's a little bit of a space underneath. Yeah, there's a little space. Droplets could easily get underneath this. Yeah. But the droplets, if they go underneath that because we're above it, they're going to keep going down. The droplets, it's like a it's like a, a fastball, like a four-seam fastball. It doesn't actually rise because it can't rise from where you release it. So the spittle is still going to go down. So if you get spittle on you, the spittle will be down below your waist. Well, I feel much safer already. Yeah, it'll be down below your waist, and then you know you can you can I mean you can spittle down on your waist. So these opt outs, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that, that does it does it surprise you? Especially look, the Patriots have been decimated. Oh my gosh! By this, right? they've lost what two starters on defense, starting right tackle, and. Probably their second best special teams player. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge hit for them, right? A giant hit. I think there's a couple of things that are interesting to me. You know, people think that mo- people think that money buys happiness. Money doesn't buy any happiness. Like there's some of the most miserable people I know have a boatload of money. Money gives you options. That's all money really does. And most of these guys have played long enough to where they have options. And most of these guys opting out, you talked about Bolden, their special teams player, backup running back, guy they absolutely love, has some health issues that he is that he has had to deal with. So he's opting out. I think Marcus Cannon is a cancer survivor. So he's opting out. I think when you talk about a guy like um um, oh, who's the who's the linebacker that's opting out? Hightower. Uh, Hightower is opting out. He just had he and his and his wife or girlfriend, whatever, had a baby in middle of July, like July seventeenth, I believe. And I think that's the same thing with Chung. His wife is pregnant right now, so you know they've they've amassed enough money to have the opportunity to to sit out. I, I think the other thing is, is, I would ask you this: Do you think these guys would sit out if Brady's still their quarterback? Ooh, good question. So, you, ooh, that's a great question. So this is a 
this is an indictment, a slight against Cam Newton? I I don't know that it's a slight against Cam Newton. I think it, it, it may be more pointing to the nature of how that organization is run by Bill Belichick. Like, he is such a grinder. And one thing you have to have, you have to have kind of the liaison between management and players sometimes. And I'm wondering if Brady all those years was the buffer, was the guy that took it on the chin for his teammates. You know, was the guy, because I know, talking to guys who played in that organization, where Bill Belichick would just use Brady as the whipping boy. I think think he got a game ball once, you know, in 20 years or twice. It's like... They were they were pretty hard on Tom Brady. Like I, I remember one of my buddies saying, right, like he would go off on Tom Brady in a meeting, like in front of everybody, going, "I could get a fox, I get a quarterback from Foxborough High School to do the shit you do, you know," and and just be like totally berating him in front of the team. And the other thing is, I think behind closed doors sometimes, those guys that are buffers between the head coach and the rest of the team, sometimes they're the guys that say, "You need to think about this." Right, you need to lighten this load, or you need to do like, like when I was when I was playing with the Broncos, we had a really crappy preseason game. We got our ass kicked, right? And Shanahan, I think it was one of our first years, maybe going into the '96 season. And Shanahan was like pissed. We didn't play well. Like we didn't show, like whatever. We didn't show it. Whatever it was, right? <clears throat> Ill prepared, and didn't play well as a football team. And so after you play on a Friday or a Saturday or whatever, you get the next day off. I mean, that's kind of standard rules, right? Of course, there was one of as many rules back then as there is now, right? There weren't they weren't official rules; they were kind of unwritten rules. And Shanny was really pissed, and he wanted to make us to come back to practice the next day. We're gonna go practice. We're gonna walk. You know, we're gonna we're gonna put the pads on. We're gonna we're because you guys took the night off, so tomorrow you're gonna actually work, right? I'm gonna make you work, and that was the kind of premise. And Elway said to him, he goes. Oh, that's a great idea. Thanks. I won't be there, but you know, good idea. I'm taking my day. I'm getting my day, right? Like he's the buffer. Um, I used to be, I used to have this, I had this relationship with Mike. You know, I have a really yep. close relationship with Mike. <clears throat> I was a liaison from the locker room to Mike Shanahan. And I had more than several occasions where coaches would come to me and say, Hey, Stink, can you talk to Mike about whatever? You know, and I'd bebop up to his office and go, hey, dude, what, hey, what's what's the story with this schedule? Like one time, coaches asked me, can you talk to Mike about the schedule? Because he's got us coming in on a Saturday at 8, and then we're leaving, you know, at noon to head to Seattle or wherever we're going, which is a short flight, right? And so, you know, I'd like to sleep in and hang out and have breakfast with my family as opposed to being here at, you know, I, if, if the players have to be here at, eight that means we as coaches have to be here at six right and so you know i went to coach shannon and go dude we're leaving the, we're, we're loading the buses at two why are we coming in at eight we got a, a, a half hour film session and a, and a half hour walkthrough i'm like that doesn't make any sense to me i'd like to I, I and i told him i'd like to have breakfast with my wife and kids and he's like and he looked at the schedule and he's like all right you got me and he changed the schedule yeah but it wasn't because I looked at it. It was because the coach came to me and go, this is ridiculous, right? And so sometimes you have to have those liaisons between between management and between the team. And and I wonder if those guys look at 
the grind that is playing for the New England Patriots, the grind that is playing for Bill Belichick and going, we don't have our buffer anymore. And, you know, I've got some other reasons on the side, but I just want to – It's still a valuable year in an NFL career that has a expiration date coming up for a lot of these guys. Right. Hightower's in his 30s. Right. Chung, I think, is close to 30. Yeah, but they've I mean, all— these, these guys, I, I get what you say. They've made they've made their money. Right. They've made a lot of money, but they're passing up a, a lot more money. Yeah, you're walking away from in in Hightower's deal. I think I, I read it was like 8 or $9 million. Right. Bucks, you know, right. you're, you don't make that bad. Right. So I, I, I think I think it honestly— my reaction to it, Stink, is that I know there's been a lot of debate about, you know, the severity of this and whether or not we're underreacting, overreacting, whatever. But I think it's quite telling that that these professional athletes, supposedly among the group that really aren't affected by this, mm-hmm. are deciding this thing is serious enough that I'm ready to give up right. a year of right. my career and a year of big time earning power. Yeah, I, that's very telling to me. Yeah, I you know I, I look at the uh, uh, the kid that plays for Philly now. Is it Marquise Goodwin, um, the receiver? Yeah, the receiver. Is it Godwin or Goodwin? I think it's Godwin. Goodwin. It's Goodwin. Godwin's Goodwin? in Tampa. Okay, yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, he's the Olympic sprinter guy, right? But I saw him. I, I think he and his wife have lost two babies. They had a baby girl this off season, and he's like, "This is the reason I'm not going to play, man. Right. I'm making a decision for my family. I'm putting football second. And and I understand that, man. I like I, it takes you know it takes some courage to be able to do that. And it and and you know from a priority standpoint, I appreciate the guys who are saying, "Listen, my priorities are a little bit different right now." Obviously, if you've made a lot of money over the course of your career, it's easier to have you know it's easier to have those different things that happen in your life, and you grow and you mature and you do all those things. I, I know this is a football podcast, Mike, but I just want to run this by you. What what's going on? With the Miami Marlins, I was just going to go. Are oh, you were? I was there. Well, and here, well, and we could right. circle back to what you're saying. But what what we're seeing here in the last week is how this is going to be such a unique NFL season in terms of what will be the keys to a successful season: health, guys who decide to opt out mm-hmm. or decide not to opt out. What kind of roster are you going to have? Right. And you know, secondly, the Marlins story showed us that. Your team better have a sense of maturity, professionalism, and accountability to get through this. Because all it takes is some immaturity or, or a couple of a couple of bad apples to right. really ruin it for potentially an entire team. I mean, so yeah. when we talk about, hey, you know, the keys to a, a particular team, you know, whatever fan of the uh, whatever NFL team you root for, add to it how mature and accountable are my guys going to be. So that we're not having ten or twelve guys test positive, and and, and potentially wipe out our season. Right. Emotional maturity is a huge aspect of being successful in in any given sport. I mean, look at Lou Williams. He leaves town or leaves town because he's got a legitimate family issue. On his way back, he needs to swing into a strip club to get chicken wings. When you're living in a bubble, hey, listen, I understand if you like chicken wings, right? I get it. And you want to drive through a drive-through restaurant and pick up some chicken wings on your way, but you know that you guys are living in this bubble, and is that like is that a lack of? Is that a lack to me? It's a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of understanding of where you're at and what you're asked to do, and it's a lack of championship mentality. Like I am going to put 
teammates or I'm going to put myself at risk or my teammates at risk so I can see some boobies and I can get some chicken wings. Like, seriously, like how, how selfish can you be? Emotional maturity to me is is one of the keys to winning championships. We saw it with the Cleveland Browns last year. You know what? Everybody was on the Cleveland Browns bandwagon last year, and I was like, oh, no, this team lacks emotional maturity to be any good, right? From the head coach to the quarterback to everybody else. And, and who was right? You're welcome, me. I was right. Um, and the rest of you were probably wrong. But the bottom line is there's no question about the talent. You've got to have the emotional maturity. And there are always five guys on every roster, maybe six in the NFL, that that need babysitters, right? Five guys that just aren't bright enough to understand, you know, to understand the task at hand. And I look at this as a real learning curve. I'm I'm interested to see as they go through the tracing of what happened with the Marlins, because now 17 people in that organization have come down with COVID. Um, I'm interested to see the contact tracing if they find that there's a couple of knuckleheads that were in summer camp in Miami that decided to go to, uh, you know, to, to go to some club or go get drinks or whatever the case may be, um, and they're the ones that brought it to their team. Because that's really what it's going to be. Are you going to risk your selfish activities, essentially? Are you going to risk selfishness and stupidity are you going to risk the other 52 guys on your team so that you can be a turd like i think every team has a t-shirt like they start the t-shirt thing right, right? like like iron sharpens right, iron you right, see right, it in tra- right. camp training camp everybody has the same t-shirt on right i think this year's t-shirt the motto for every team should be hey don't be a turd <laughs> that should right. be that yeah, don't like, be that, a selfish turd right, right. don't yeah. be a selfish turd because that's what it's going to take. It is going to take, obviously, they're kind of living in in this pseudo-bubble when they're in the organization, but those guys get to go home. That's right, and that's and why you, this baseball story is so important to follow if you're the NFL, if you're, if you're an NFL fan, because the NFL is choosing to follow the baseball model, right? not the NBA or NHL model. And the NBA and NHL model, at least early returns are, this bubble thing is working. Right. It's a great idea. Baseball, you know, I'm I'm not one that, you know, it was it, it was amazing to me how the moment that those Marlins tests, those that story came out, how many people in our business immediately reacted and said, "Oh, got to shut it down." Right. Why are we playing games during a pandemic? Almost I'm like, like pe- almost like people are rooting yeah, for sports to right? go away, right? And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, easy. Listen, give give the sport give the players and teams a chance to adjust and adapt before we bury them. Now, right. if they don't adjust and adapt, fine. But it is a reminder. It is kind of a little red flag that football has to look at, and it's a question that is worth asking: Should football have adopted a, a bubble environment? I just don't think there's any way you can you can do football in a bubble. Really? Why not? Like, how are you going to get one thirty-two teams? So you, with coaches and trainers and equipment guys and all that kind of stuff, you're you're talking about you're talking about over two thousand people in one area where you can practice every week and you can play the games. You can play sixteen games a weekend. I, I just don't think it can be done. Hmm. I don't think there's an area that would that would facilitate all of all of those people and all of those games and all of those practice schedules. So you don't think a place like let's say if 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 the if it was calm, let's say a place like Dallas 
You don't think with, uh, certainly it's a big city, plenty of hotel space. Mm -hmm. You got... You got college stadiums. Heck, high school stadiums in Texas are like right. Well, college, you're not big you time don't have any fans stadiums. anyhow, and you so. don't have any fans. And you got but, but you've got to have and, the TV networks have to have the proper like you can't do a a, a television. no no. But what I'm saying is that okay, so now Jerry World becomes we we play NFL games on Thursdays, Sundays, right. Mondays. Late in the season, we go Thursday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Monday? Are you telling me you couldn't do a a bubble situation in one city where you played, you know, three games on a Thursday, three games on a Friday, three on a Saturday, three on a Sunday, three on a Monday, and not get it done? It'd be a football palooza that people would love. I just people would never leave their couches. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to house that many people and have that many practice. Like, is it really a bubble? If all of you are at different hotels, all of you are out at different practice facilities, all of you are, I mean, it's, again, I I just don't think, I think it's too grand to actually be done that way in the NFL. And ultimately, you know, you're going to have to hold each other accountable. That's what this comes down yeah. to. You know, it's, it's interesting because, as you know, my son is a, a professional baseball player and, um, and, you know, looking for work right now. And the Rockies came back into town. And he has relationships through, um, mostly through my daughter-in-law. Um, because she puts on, she puts on uh, for P- PAO, uh, Pro Athletes Outreach, she puts on Christian conferences. So she's got some friends and some friendships with some of the some of the wives. And so she's talking to a couple of the Rockies' wives and say, hey, you know, if you guys want to, because they're all kind of sequestered, right? They're all kind of quarantined in their houses. Or in their apartments. And she's like, hey, if you want to bring the kids over to swim at, you know, at, at my house, feel free. And they're, like, very serious. Like, hey, we're not allowed to leave our – we're not we, – we have to have groceries ordered in. We have, If we're going to get food, we have to have it ordered in. We can't leave our houses per Major League Baseball. Like, they are really – so because when our guys come home from the work environment, from practice, and they come to our houses, we can't have had interaction with other people. In, in, because of the fear of of COVID, and so like they're doing it. Some teams are going to be mature enough to handle it, yeah. and then some teams are the Marlins, right? I mean, at least on the surface. I don't know what happened, so you know it's probably irresponsible to sit there and say point the finger and say I know that this because I don't know what went on, right. um, but I do feel you know you do have this sneaking suspicion that there were a few people in that organization that weren't mature enough right. to do it that way. All right, let's get to uh, some other some other topics from around the league. Uh, news being made: the Jamal Adams deal. Mm. Now, those in the biz mm-hmm. seem to think that the Jets fleeced Seattle. Do you agree? No, no. I listen. The Jets got a really good safety in McDougal. He's a really good player. I mean, a really good player. Um, and they got. You know, two first round draft choices. They they, they flipped the third and the fourth, so I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna concern myself with that. They got a really good player and two first round draft choices. Whereas Seattle usually picks is gonna be in the mid twenties. So what do you do with those draft choices? Now, remember Joe Douglas, the GM of the Seattle or excuse me, of the Jets, came from Baltimore where he was a scout. And you start looking at where their late round draft choice, like like Ray Lewis was drafted in those mid twenties, you know they've got guys um, over the course of his career there that were big time, big time draft picks 
late. Todd Heap was at 31. I mean, they've got a lot of guys where they've drafted late in those positions. Still, you've got to be the guy that pulls the trigger and makes the deal, right? You've got to be the guy that that makes that pick. You can't just, you know, Ozzie Newsom was the guy that was making the picks at the time. So um, you get some credit, but you don't get full credit for that, for any of those picks. So you're going to have to find players that can come in and, and contribute right away. So, you know, from a fleecing, hey, man, if Jamal Adams continues on the on the path that he's on, a kind of Hall of Fame trajectory, if you will, then absolutely no. They didn't, unless they get a couple of Hall of Famers out of it, no. Because he is he is that good. And you think about the safety position. I've heard several things from people talking about, well, safety, that's oh, you're way over. It's, he's not a corner. He's a safety. Well, think about what you're asking safeties to do today, right? You're asking him to play deep center field. You're asking him to play you know, in the slot as a corner. You're asking them to to play as a linebacker and blitz as a defensive end and come off the edge. I mean, you're asking these guys to be positionless and to make plays. So one minute, think about this. One minute you're facing you're facing the Kansas City Chiefs. One minute you're you're defending man to man coverage on Travis Kelsey. The next minute you're in man to man on Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Right, I mean, think about what you're asked to do on a cons- and then all of a sudden the next minute you're asked to take on a guard in run support because you're the you know you're the weak side linebacker, you're the will. I mean, think about what they're asking these guys to do, and the ability it takes as a player to get that done is amazing. And you know, I heard from Jets fans all over the place, Mike. Jets fans are like, he's a traitor and. This guy is, uh, you know, he's not a good, he's not even that good. And, and um, you know, and, and oh, you know, like, he's not a leader. And, and the guy doesn't have the proper character to help build the Jets. I would ask you this. What is, what do you want him to do? What is he supposed to do? Because he came into a league where they negotiated on his behalf and the negotiations put him in a position to have zero leverage for five years. So, you know, I've said this before. It reminds me of this bar I used to go to, Chilkoot Charlie's. Their model was we cheat the other guy and pass the savings on to you. <laughs> so you think about you got a bunch of players, and from a player standpoint, I mean, I played, I understand what they think. You look at first-rounders and go, 50% of these guys are freaking busts. They can't play anyhow. So why am I going to negotiate something that's good for them, that gives them leverage? No, I'm going to screw them coming in and make sure that we can get ours. The guys who have put a squirt of piss in the bucket. So if you're Jamal Adams or Jalen Ramsey or whoever else you are, and you can't get a new deal after you've completely outperformed your rookie contract, and you're like, by the time I get through five years, maybe I have one more contract, one more good contract left. And so you're saying, I want a new deal. I've been a two-time Pro Bowler. I'm all pro. I'm I'm considered the best safety in football. I want a new deal. And they're saying, hey, you know what? Wait another year. We'll figure it out. No, bullshit. I want a deal. So what do you do? You call out the organization. You call out the general manager. You say the, the coach ain't worth a crap. And you get yourself moved. Yeah, you pull a page out of the Jalen Ramsey playbook, right? Yeah, and, and, force and, your way and out. we've yeah. seen we've seen a lot of players do this, but you have no other 
You have no other option. Like, if you didn't perform, you know what they do, right? They'd either cut you right. or make you take a big pay exactly. cut. When you overperform, they're like, hey, you signed hey, the deal. Hey. And he, you come into a league where you're already getting five years. You're, you're stuck for five years. And, oh, by the way, the money is slotted. So, like, like the players, the Players Association absolutely screwed incoming rookies that are first-round picks. I mean, they absolutely put yeah. the screws to them. And when the Players Association... They consulted. They they called me. Demore Smith and I got on the phone, and I was adamant against the rookie wage scale and the, the, this this whole rookie. Why? You know, it's more vet, money for the vet. No, it's not. It's just controlling salary of these rookies so that you can pocket more money. Well, I'll I'll listen to a debate about whether or not Jamal Adams is a great safety. But one thing I totally disagree with is the idea that the safety position. Is is not worthy of two first round picks. You know, you heard a lot of that. Well, right. no, wait a minute. You give up two first round picks yeah. if it's a quarterback, it's a left tackle, it's a dominant pass rusher, but not a safety. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All I know is I keep looking at a lot of these winning teams, and they seem to have a difference maker mm. at that safety position. Whether it's a Palomalo, whether mm. it's a an Earl Thomas. Um, Hell, how how big was Tyran Matthew? Tyran Matthew, for the Kansas you know, Chiefs what, last what's, year. What's Devin McCourty been for the Patriots right. during all all these these Super Bowl runs of theirs? So the the, the notion that the uh, elite safety is not worth that kind of asking price, I totally disagree with that. And so if you're saying Adams is maybe the best of the bunch, then I think Seattle did the right thing. Yeah, and, and you think about what freedom that gives Seattle. So Seattle is a team I've, I've done a bunch of games of here recently for Fox. And Seattle is a unique team in that they want to stay, they want to match base to everything. So they played base defense about 80, 85% of the time, meaning three linebackers. So when you get into a base defense, you keep your four defensive linemen, if you're a four down front, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and four secondary members, two corners and and two safeties, obviously, and they love to play base to nickel, right? They want to, they want to play that. Well, when you have a guy in a, you know, Jamal Adams, they can come down and cover a slot receiver. They can come down and play man. They can come down and run support so that you can mix up what you're doing from a defensive standpoint where you can hide and disguise like your ability to disguise your ability to show either single high safety, get to two high stuff. Or show too high safety and get to single high stuff because that guy is so savvy, he's so quick, he's so smart, and he's so skilled. Like your ability to do that is tremendous. And think about their safety tandem now because they got uh, they traded for for Diggs last year from Detroit. They've they've got not only from a talent standpoint are they super talented. They've got two of the smartest players in football in their defensive secondary. Like that's what Pete Carroll wants. Pete, understand this about Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll told me once, I say, how do you figure out, I'm in a meeting with him, how do you figure out, like, how did you know to get off this guy and that this guy would be good? And he goes, uh, hey, hey uh, Stink, you just got to trust that I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm, I, I've done this for so long. Remember, he was a secondary coach yeah. coming in. I've done this for so long. I know what I want. I know what it looks like. So when I see Pete Carroll saying, yeah, let's pull the trigger, John Robinson, on this on this deal, that means a lot coming from Pete Carroll because that dude knows secondary play like none other. You see these quotes from Aaron Rodgers? 
uh, saying that he always, in an interview, he was very forthcoming. He he said, look, I, I thought I'd play my entire career with the Packers, but the drafting of Jordan Love, he goes, I understand it. I understand it's a business. I don't have any ill will towards him, but I, I know I'm going to probably finish my career up somewhere else. To the point where he was asked, could you see yourself ever playing for the Chicago Bears? Right. And he, he said, quote, that's a tough thought right there. Laughing, but not shutting the right. idea down. Sure. I mean, hey, if Tom Brady can finish up as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who knows where Aaron Rodgers will finish up. But he's right. It won't be Green Bay. He is right. And, you know, this is exactly what happened to Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is, this, is the way the, this is the way the league operates. And you know what? Here's the deal that's really cool about this. Because we experienced it here in Denver. We experienced four glorious years. The Peyton Manning years. Yep. They were glorious. Glorious. They were so good, man. And even though, you know, we started this talking about um, Tom Brady and the effect of him leaving leaving the, the New England Patriots and does that have an effect on guys opting out and stuff and him being a buffer. The other thing is, is sometimes those guys grind on on guys so hard that guys want to break, a mental break, right? Like we saw it here where when Peyton Manning actually retired, there were guys that were relieved that he was gone because he, he was just a grinder. Like he was on dudes all the time. And, you know, that's that's part of that is the professionalism that they bring and how the culture automatically changes when a guy like that walks into your organization. But, you know, one guy's garbage is another guy's gold. I mean, think about the excitement right now in Tampa Bay. Like they are leading the league just about. I think Tua Tungavailoa is the one of the top jerseys, but yep. Tom Brady's like oh, he's got all, like four different jerseys like that are four, in the top yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then and then Rob Gronkowski and like the excitement in Tampa is palpable. Although right I'll now. be curious, the fans feel that way. And I think the players right now are kind of like, "Wow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. The goats coming here and Gronk's coming here. This is amazing. I wonder how long that lasts before maybe that Peyton th- stuff that we saw in Denver takes hold in Tampa, right. where all of a sudden guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, all these guys that have been yeah. part of this sort of underachieving Tampa offense are like, whoa, whoa, this guy never lets up. This right. guy's riding my ass. If they're winning, this guy is hey, demanding. If they're winning, they'll love it. They will uh, for at least a while. For at least right? a while, right. For at exactly. least a year yeah. or two. Yeah, they'll the, love they'll it. They'll be a nice honeymoon phase. Right, yeah. exactly. I even saw a Bruce Arians, the head coach, come out and say, wow, Brady's so, like, he's already got this offense down. Like, we're so far ahead of, and I'm paraphrasing, but we're so yeah. far ahead of the curve already. So, you know, they're really excited. But guess, guess what? Can you imagine if, if, you're sitting in an organization. I mean, we've been here now. What looks like in Denver, where Drew Locke looks like he could be the guy, but we were in this quarterback purgatory forever, where where they were praising where they were praising um, Brandon Allen, Brandon Allen last year for being a like gamer, Allentown, being a gamer. You know, <laughs> I mean, so could you imagine being in a place that's been quarterback purgatory for however many years, and all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers right? is walking through those doors? Dude, come on now. Well, coming to an NFL city near you, it's going to be somewhere, right? You know, you're right. It's, it's going to be somewhere. It'll be one of these. Be... Pla- it'll probably be one of these places where there's a young quarterback, supposed quarterback of the future, in place, and 
that quarterback's going to prove he's not the guy. And that team is all of a sudden going to be like, we we need to go. We got to go find a guy. We got to go find a guy that, you know, because we just invested all this time right. and on the next big thing, and the next big thing turned out to be a dud. We got to go find something that's that's going to energize our team, energize our fans, and 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 give us a chance to win right now, like Brady in Tampa. Yeah, and Rodgers will probably be probably a year or two from now. Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the same boat that Tom Brady's in. I'm just thinking about where is like, that going to be? Like Chicago makes Chicago? a ton of sense. What else? Oh, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in a Bears uniform? Oh, to be, oh any Packer but, fan listening to this right now? Right. Remember, you know, Brett Favre ended up in a Vikings yeah. jersey, right? Yeah, but that's you tell me what. Right. What no, hurts there's more. no question. Right. It's still division. I'm, I'm wondering, is there another team where you could see, like, what if Aaron Rodgers? Think about this now. What if Baker Mayfield turns out to be, yep, you know, a guy? Yep. What if he turns out to be a guy and yep. all the talent they've amassed in Cleveland? Yep. With the same offense that's being run right I now hear, in Green I Bay. Are you clucking, Big Chicken? Yep. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers walks into that facility in Cleveland. You think they're a contender? New York, Jets. I Sam Darnold that, doesn't work out. I don't know that anybody can win in New York. <laughs> <laughs> with the Jets. <laughs> wow, that's saying something. If you yeah. say Cleveland might be a be- better option than the Jets. Boy, the Jets are a sad sack. They are they? a sad sack. All right. All right. All right, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, we'll be back with you again probably at the end of the week. Um, thank you to our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. We really appreciate you guys. Do a great job at SweetSweat.com. Check out all the content on the uh, on Instagram or on social media, on Twitter at Sweet Sweat for both of those as well. For Mike, I am Mark. For Scott, we thank you so much for listening.